When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I would like to tell you a story. Knife Talk is sponsored by Evenheat, the manufacturers of the finest knife treat ovens available. Find your next heat treat oven at evenheat-kiln.com. Welcome to Knife Talk, another episode hosted by Jeff Fader of Fader Knives. I. Myself. We always screw this myself. up. Always oh, screw this up. <laughs> Unbelievable. Every time. Oh, every I'm... single time. Myself, Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives, and Mareko Malmasi of Malmasi Fire Arts. Three knife makers, all here to bring you um, a weekly podcast, which you're listening to. It's in your ears. Hola. How's uh Yeah, man. This I don't know about you guys, but it's been a, it's been an interesting week for me. Uh, but I'm interested in hearing what you guys have been up to. Craig, what have you been up to, man? Just grinding away, grinding away, getting knives out. Um, getting a lot of good shop time. A lot of good time this week. Yeah, I've been quite nice. pleased. Pleased. I've been working on a video as well for YouTube, um, which is about um, corrosion, uh, testing different steels for corrosion and so on. Mm, um, I have a question about that later. Yeah, sure. It's turned into a three-day event, this thing, because <laughs> the results are not what I expected. So I'm pushing it further each day, and I'm leaving it another 24 hours. But um, yeah, it's been quite quite interesting to do, to see the results. Because that will be out on Monday, so that's okay. by the time people hear this podcast. What about yourself? Are you, are, are, regarding you know, the corrosion testing, are you experiencing that it's actually not corroding as much as you would have expected? Yes, yes. And I think okay. I know why, because they've been sort of submerged in the liquids and purees, That's but they're not reacting oh. to the oxygens. So they've been taken out today. So I could add that to yeah. the video as well. And Absolutely. immediately, as soon as they've been taken out within 10 minutes, you, they're really starting to rust. Um, after, we, and, after we talked about it last week, that was one of my first thoughts was the concern that there wasn't enough oxygen exposure to whatever you were putting on the blades. Yeah, but I'm. I'm really interested in seeing how these turn out. Yeah, and it's it surprised. The results are quite surprising, actually, of, of what has sort of corroded the most um, with regards mm. to the sort of the food stuff that I've used, and with regards to the actual steels sure. themselves as well. But I'll, I'll leave that. I'll leave that out. The video is up, so people can go and take a look at the at the video. Nice. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna watch it right after the show. I was just saying the pictures are very dramatic. So I, I saw the cups with all the pieces mm. of steel in it, and it looks like you've really taken a uh, very uh, scientific approach. It looks very dramatic. Yeah. Well, it, it took a day just to get everything ready. So I had to cut all the steel. They've all been heat treated up to the sort of manufacturer specs as well. Um, they've all been ground to a 400 grit finish. Um, so, yeah, there's it was, it was a lot of prep work involved, but I think it'll be worth it. I think it'll be worth Super it. Super cool. Mareko, what have you been up to? Yeah, so myself, I've been, so yeah, just working away on this knife. I've posted up some pictures, actually, it's that kind of, it's the briar patch 
mosaic that has the weaving pattern. And uh, I posted up some pictures of it after some coffee treatment. It was looking really good, but after I took that video and, and upon closer inspection, there were some parts about it that I wasn't super stoked about. So I've been going in and cleaning it back off and putting it back through the coffee treatment and everything. And I've done it uh, probably close to a dozen times <sighs> now, which is hilarious because <laughs> everybody i'm watching everybody after we posted it up getting great results and now i'm the one that's struggling with getting consistent good results and i think part of the issue is that i'm taking it to too high of a polish it's just too high of a polish um and it's not getting enough of a tooth kind of a kind of a not obviously not a super rough surface, but enough where the the oxides want to kind of bond with the steel better, mm, yeah. and I'm I'm not getting that, and so uh, I've I've basically have spent the last week between that and uh, another chef's knife whose saya I'm making. It's like a, a buckeye burl uh, saya. It's been stabilized, but there are some tricks to that because it's burl. It feels really sturdy because it's been stabilized, but. Just to be safe, I'm going to do an underlayment of G10, just some thin G10, just to help support that material a bit more. Uh, because the last thing I need is, you know, to spend two, three days making this saya and then customer get it and it just crumbles on them because it's burl. Um, and the grain's going all over the place. Uh, if it was straight grain, it'd be a totally different story. Even if it was curly, it'd be a completely different story. But because it's burl and the, and the, and the grain literally is just going all directions, you kind of need that extra support. And that's a kind of, that's a tip I picked up from my buddy, Tom Buckner, Buckner Knives. But, um, so struggling a little bit, but hopefully uh, getting some better progress this coming week. I've got a question about the sires. So yeah. do you leave any sort of drain hole at all in case any, any moisture does get in that it can drain back out or not? Yeah, I mean, hopefully not that much moisture is getting in there. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, yeah. I, I have done uh, that little pass-through hole at the out at the tip if somebody is requesting that. And the mm -hmm. idea is that it's, it's like a little I, – I call it the snorkel. Basically, okay. it allows for a little extra breathing for some air to get into the side in case there is any trapped moisture or excess moisture. Uh, mm, so it nice. has an opportunity to kind of flow out. But a lot of things that people, uh, most people don't, especially with carbon steel knife, don't really take into consideration is that uh, you really shouldn't, you should be using the sheaths and sayas, uh kind of more for transportation rather than long-term storage. So if it's a collector piece, you don't want to keep it in the sheath uh, whether it's a leather or wooden sheath, you don't want to keep it in there because if for some reason some moisture has gotten in there, it's going to do some bad stuff to the blade. And uh, But even if it's like I'm coming from my house to the workshop or something, if I put it in the sheath for transportation, that's great. Uh, but it, I think if it if it's going to be staying in the sheath for longer than, you know, th three, five, seven days or something like that, uh, you're going to... You want to store it outside. You want to put it in a safe place yeah. that it's going to be able to store outside of that because it's not optimal to keep the blade inside the sheath. Again, it's mostly for transportation purposes. Um, and I'd hate to see people using sheaths and be really excited about their leather or wooden saya and then all of a sudden pull their blade out and it's all covered in shit, patina, rust, other unnecessary and unwanted corrosion. So That's an awesome tip. Yeah, gotcha. That's an awesome point. That's an awesome point. I never even, uh, I never even thought that uh, that would be something you would say to someone. 
Hmm. I've seen people do it with Kydex. They put so when they when they put it in the press, they'll put like a matchstick in the tip, so it leaves that little hole for the Kydex. Um, right. But yeah, I was just wondering how you did it with this with this with the Sayer. That's cool. That's cool. Wow. Yeah. So what about yourself, it Jeff? Sucked. Busy week. This week sucked. <laughs> this week sucked. How do you like mm. that? I had uh, <laughs> nothing but uh, problems that were out of my control. Uh, for the second time in a month, our credit card, the business card, got hacked. And uh, I had to deal with uh, going to the branch of my bank, which is I might as well have gone to the playground because those guys at the (laughs) bank are morons. And it was really like if you like small talk, go to the bank because that's what they do. Oh, it's all small talk bullshit. And so I dealt with that. That was a huge I mean, I thought I was you're going to give me a new car. It turned into such a production and it was like my brain was about to fall out. And then um, I had uh, some uh, difficulties with some companies that I'm working with. Uh, their PR departments are not mm. as, you know, you know, we, this is the problem with when you do your own shit. When you do your own stuff all the time and you depend on yourself, when you have to t- kind of depend on other people, you are, oftentimes you are let down by their lack of, you know, brains or whatever so that was that was that and then and then i was about to deliver uh, i was about to have a customer pick up a knife on saturday it's sunday now and on friday i noticed that there was something in the handle that i didn't like and what happens is if there's Mm. something i don't like i look at it and i put it down and i look at it again i put it down and the third time i pick it up I stick it on the bandsaw and then I cut the thing off to the point where I can't look at it anymore. So it like there's no there's no question. It's like you just cut it off. So I had to call the customer and say, "Don't come tomorrow. I'm I'm redoing your handle. I don't like I don't something about it. I just can't I can't let it leave that leave the shop." And that was really disappointing. But the funny part not funny, but I ended up uh, re putting that handle together, and I got this G10 that I didn't realize had both sides had different textures. And I was putting together a new set, and then that new set looked weird. Like there, all of a sudden, I was not putting them on the you know one side at a different texture than the other. So when I slapped them all together, it looked weird. So then I had to do a third set. So oh boy. I was uh, it was disappointing. <laughs> it was a disappointing and stressful week. However, it all, all the- came to the uh, very positive end yesterday, and I'll talk about that nice. later. Oh, oh, yeah, I saw some pics on Instagram of what you were up to yesterday, so it'll be good to talk about that later. Yeah. Yes, very good. Yeah. Very good. And talking about Instagram, I was I was watching a, a live feed of a, a chef that I followed this week, and guess who popped up in the feed? Mareko Malmasi. Wow, who is that? Well, um, what are you chef talking Graham, about? the guy that was on um, Final Table. Oh, right, yeah. And the record cool. just popped up, and I was like, I know that guy. I know that guy. Awesome. <laughs> Did he, was he holding yeah, the knife I, on the right side? No, no. Oh. He, he was driving, oh. actually. Yeah. Fortunately, he found a safe spot to pull over. It's fucking crazy. But he was driving down the highway, reading, <laughs> reading his comments as he's driving, and finally he pulled over and found a good spot. And he couldn't figure out how to make the uh, – how to pull somebody into the conversation to do, uh, mm. you know, a conver- uh, you know, the two people in the live stream. And so I was like, well, fuck it. I'll jump in there. And so I jumped in and, you know, I've, I've only know him from watching the final table. Uh, he's a chef from Scotland and, uh, he's very talented. Him and his partner did a great job on the show competing final tables on Netflix. If you want to go check it out. Uh, and, and so I just talked to him about, 
the competition and stuff um and how he enjoyed it and what's changed or but my of course my wi-fi uh started taking a crap and so i had to just call it short and say all right well i'm gonna let you go because my wi-fi sucks basically uh but what was cool is after the conversation uh he messaged me or i messaged him uh following up like the next day just saying hey you know it was really great uh chatting with you i really appreciate you uh letting me have a couple moments with you and and he, he's like, oh, yeah, it was great. And then he message, shot me a message back about five minutes later. He's like, holy shit, I didn't realize you were on Forged of Fire. I fucking love that program. <laughs> and then and then he and I have just been chatting ever since. And uh, so, yeah, it's pretty neat. Very cool. it's, it's neat yeah. making those random connections. It's, it's crazy how social media creates that opportunity for access in that way. Uh, and especially if somebody, uh, you know, you pop into their live stream and they don't have like more than 20 people in there, that's an opportunity to kind of try to create that kind of connection. And it's not for anything like shysty or anything. It's just, it's just meeting people, but in a digital platform, I guess. Hmm. Hmm. I, I, and he's, he's cool. a funny I, guy too. He's a, a crazy Scott. He's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get very, uh, sometimes I don't, I don't, I'm not, some people, I, I, I have a hard time when people come in and then they're in their underwear or something like that, or there is a strange, <laughs> strange connection, or and I don't know. There, I don't. So I usually, use, I get weird people wanting to talk to me. Well, I, I just, you know, I pretend I don't see it. Do yeah, I do the same thing when I do live streams. Do you they guys remember in. Chat Roulette? No, what's that? Yes, it was this. It was this. <laughs> it was in a browser. Showing so your age again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, what's so that? So it was basically like you'd be doing a live stream and it would just be completely random, like roulette. Just somebody would just pop up and you're expected to just have a conversation or whatever. But um, <laughs> I saw too many penises to ever use that thing again. It was, oh. it was incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should isolate that part and keep that in the bumpers. That should be one of your general genius. <laughs> Seen too many penises. Too many penises. <laughs> yeah, but that was... Yeah, a very strange thing that was. My buddies uh, Rick Barter and Jesse Savage do a podcast called Blacksmith's Pub. I mentioned it before, and they went once Skyping with the, one of their guests, and they took a screenshot, and the guy was in his bed wearing a bathrobe, and they interviewed him watching him with a, with a bathrobe on, oh, and, and they, they didn't show the pic. They sent it to me, and, and Jesse was just like, this is what we're doing. So they, they, this guy, this blacksmith, was in his bathrobe on the bed and having his conversation with uh, Rick. It, it was very oh, – that was very funny. So, yeah, I'm not against, I'm against it. I'm against it. I'm against it. I'll talk to, I'll talk to you guys, but that's about it. As long as you're wearing yeah. pants, we're all good. Well, we're it okay. helps. It helps. It does. So let, <laughs> let's bring up one of our sponsors, AMK or amktactical.com. They sell um, – Grinders, they sell all sorts of equipment for knife makers. I'm sure most of you already know who they are. They're AM Concepts on Instagram. The concept was with the K. They've got 10% off all their listeners if you use the, the promo code AMK10. They make amazing stuff, amazing grinders. Moreco um, uses one. Um, friend of the show, Neil Kamamura uses one. They're, yeah. they're great. So go and take a look. Um, 10% off anything that you order. As well as grinders, they also do things like contact wheels. Um, and I only hear good things about them. So go and have a look at amktactical.com and remember to use the promo code AMK10. It's a hell of a deal. Well, 
We're going to try something new this week. Um, we're going to swap out uh, one of our segments for a new segment. This is something that we fi- we figured this happens a lot. We've talked about it before. A lot of times people want to give you suggestions. Unsolicited advice is what it usually is. Um, it's usually <laughs> it's usually started with the, the name. Um, it's or started with the expression, you know what you should do. So what we decided, what we, we decided is to ask you, uh, what's your worst uh, our listeners on Instagram, follow us on Knife Talk Podcast. Uh, you can direct message us, and it's what it's usually. You know what you should do. That's what people say. So we ask you to say to sell us what your you know what you <laughs> should do is, or what your worst advice. And boy, did we get a lot of we got a lot of people submitting terrible advice from people, and it's very annoying. So what we're going to do is we're going to read them off, and I'll start in with. Um, Forged in Fire champion Derek Melton reached out and he said, I got this before Christmas. After someone asked me how much of a how much for a complete hand-forged fireplace set well, would that cost? And he said, uh, his the friend, the person said, Do you know what you should do? You should charge less for the things you make so that you're more competitive in the market. <laughs> oh my Needless god. Needless to say, I think that Derek was it's Derek is a Origin Fire Champion, he's a nice guy. I'm sure he was very polite, but he wasn't so polite with me on the on the message. He was very irritated. <laughs> yeah, that's that's always especially that's one of the, been one of the kind of negative sides of <laughs> this show is people mistakenly thinking that it doesn't take much time to make stuff and it does. I got a feeling that a lot of these people just in general <laughs> with when you're dealing with knife makers and blacksmiths People don't generally have an idea of what it takes to make things, so they they just assume no. that they assume that if you can get it cheap at like Bed Bath and Beyond, then that means it should be cheap for everybody. But they don't, you know. There's there's a serious, you know. I refer to most most of those people as soft handed people. These are the people in cubicles who've never really tried to do something other than like put a nail in the wall f- to hang a, p- a picture. You know, it's it's soft handed people are like that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's totally, you know, that's the thing. I shake someone's hand and I know it's like, it's like, you know, everything about them, you know, you know, everything about them by their handshake. So, uh, yeah, I always, you know, uh, yeah, the soft handed people, they don't know how to make things. So they don't realize how how difficult it is. Right. All right. Well, I'm going to read this next one from, uh, Boot Hill Blades. He says, you know what you should do? Uh, you should make a hunting knife with a gut hook, just like a buck knife. Those sell like hotcakes. My freaking neighbor every time comes over just to buy a damn. Oh, sorry. Just go buy a damn buck knife. They're only like fourteen bucks. Yeah, the gut hooks are yeah. gut hooks are weird. And I'm not a. I did. I don't think I. I think I've been asked to do a gut hook. I don't even know how somebody would sharpen a gut hook. I, I, it, it, the whole thing is like everybody is a. Is everybody's a professional all of a sudden? You know what you should do. It's so annoying. <laughs> They know. Everybody knows. I think everybody thinks they need to have an opinion on the things as well. Whereas quite often, you know, <laughs> nobody cares about your opinion. You don't need to have an opinion. But it's one of those things in small talk where if somebody says they do something, you've got to have some sort of opinion on it. And, yeah, it's just weird. It's just weird. I I was having that same conversation with people this past week. And I, I actually – one of them, fortunately, is a friend. And I looked at him and I said, you know – you don't need to know something about everything, right? It's kind of being a jerk friend in a way, but he's just, he's always got his two cents. I'm like, buddy, it's all right. 
I, let's just. Yeah, I wish on. you said that to me when I was talking about fly presses last week. Boy, did I get a fucking earache about uh, all my fly press conversation uh, last week. I wish. I wish you had said that to me then. Yeah, we've had a few oh. DMs about the fly press. Uh, I got yeah. a fucking yeah. screw. I look, I fucked that up. I, I saw Jesse Savage yesterday, and he is the nicest guy in the world. He screwed his face up at me so hard when I when he talked about this. What I said about the fly presses, I didn't get that one right. So I know what I should do and shut the fuck up about fly, fly presses. Don't start a fly <laughs> press talk. I've got one from Black Lab Customs, which is in a similar vein to Derek Melton's that we heard earlier. His wife said, you know what you should do? You should charge more. You don't make enough of these. His response is, yeah, but if I did, no one would buy them. They're barely buying them as it is. All these, all, these whole, this whole, you know what you should do, and I said this a couple months ago, is these people, they want to feel like, they want to feel important in, in your decision making. They want you to, they, they're hoping that you're going to say, you know what, if I didn't speak to this guy, I would never. My life would have been better. They want. Uh, they want a piece of your success. They want a piece of your. The, ah, thank God he told me I know what I should do because now all of a sudden everything's good. You know, he, they want a piece of it, and it's just like it's unsolicited advice. Hmm. Yeah. What, what's that old saying? Success has many fathers. Failure is an orphan. Whoa. No, nobody wants. That's, that's deep. deep. That's deep, deep nobody, right there. Nobody wants to. <laughs> Nobody wants to take credit if you suck, like completely blow up, but if you have anything, any glimmer of success in any way, you'd be like, "Oh, well, you know, you know, I told him that, right? Yeah, I told him he should do that." Yeah, that that's something I've dealt with a lot <laughs> in my career so far. It's awful, it's challenging. So this next one comes from um, a friend of ours from India. His name is Hupman Pendis, and he says. You know what you should do? Get an MBA. And then when I asked him if they knew what an MBA meant, he responds with, ah, I meant you should do something worthwhile. So the guy said, guy gives him advice, you should get an MBA. They didn't even know what an MBA is. <laughs> I love that. Oh everybody God. wants, That's they think good. they know. Everybody's so, all of a sudden, everybody thinks they're so wise. So stupid. Uh, this next one is from Josh Scott Knives. He says, you know what you should do? Get a haircut and get a real job. <laughs> yes, I should get a haircut and just keep my job. Worst haircuts yeah. around is me. I get terrible haircuts. I've got one from our undisputed champ, Mike Dippel. Um, You know what you should do? People ask me, can you ask Alex Steele a question for me? His response is, he hasn't responded to any of my DMs. Just go away. I'm not a carrier pigeon. I, I, the I, funny I feel thing for is... Mike because... <laughs> I had a similar message this week. Somebody asked me if I'd ask Alex Steele a question as well. I won't mention names, Jeff. <laughs> and I, 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 and, and I, had to, I, I had somebody do that too. And you know what? I was the one who tried to ask for him. I tried to DM Alex Steele and he didn't respond either. So I'm not your carrier pigeon. I even can't get it either. So you're right. I, that I, was me. I, I did fu- message I Alec. I did message Alec and he did respond, but he, he simply couldn't think of anything to say. He said, I, I don't know any bad advice I've had. He didn't know. So we, we've we officially had a response right, from Alec. Well, <laughs> oh, he did? Oh, good. Because uh, I looked like a real penis on that one. Well, I didn't look like that. That's fine. The next one is uh, from our boy Chris Zepp at Make Everything Shop. He said, you know what you should – somebody said to him, you know what you should do? Figure out how to make – Hand fold, handmade folding knives from scratch for under hundred dollars. That way, you can compete with the big companies. 
The irony of oh, ironies. Man. The irony of ironies. When I posted up the first day of uh, of this whole, you know, what you should do. I went to Home Depot to get some get something, and uh, one of the cashiers saw my vest. It said Fader Knives on it, and they said, "Oh, what do you do?" I said, "I make knives." He goes, "Oh, do you make assisted knives?" And I said, "Assisted folding knives." And I said, no, no, I don't do that. He goes, you know what you should do? You should make assisted folding knives. And I thought, I just, I, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. it was like less than seven hours and somebody already did it to me. You know what you should do? You should make assisted folding knives. If you're trying to compete with commercial manufacturers, you're, you're, you got the wrong approach because these commercial manufacturers are blasting stuff out like by the thousands a day. Yeah, there's just no way you cannot compete on price when it comes to but that. They don't, and we're artisan. We're making artisan-made tools. I mean, handcrafted artisan-made stuff. So we're not trying to sell at the same price point either. But people, people, yeah. it's a race to the bottom. You compete on price; it's a race straight to the bottom. Before you know it, nobody's making any money. But people right. assume when you say I'm a knife maker, they assume that you have a giant shop with a load of people. You know, they, I think that they really don't realize that we're just like struggling to grind shit out. Not, you know, we're not like, you know, we're not Wustoff. You know, but these people, they just assume, oh, you know what you should do? You should get a water jet. Oh, you know what you should do? You should get a laser engraver. You should. I mean, it's like it's all these crazy things. So you know what you should do? You should shut the fuck up. I mean, I, nobody asked you. Nobody asked you. You're, I, and it all, it's, the other thing is, is like it's not like we all didn't think about this. No one's coming up with some like brain buster. There's no like light bulb suggestions. It's not like you know what you should do, and then all of a sudden the clouds, the clouds part, and the lightning bolt comes down, and you've, you've, it's always these dumb things we've already think thought about. You know what you should do? You should get a dustpan and a broom. Oh, really? Uh, you don't say. Go, you should clean my shop. Oh, okay. Thanks. That was great. So stupid. Uh, we'll jump to uh, we'll jump to J.R. Palm. He said. You should make a twelve inch twelve inch angle grinder because four and a half inches is too small. Jr., that's that's psycho talk right yeah. there. That the four and a half is bad enough. Twelve inches. Of- <laughs> Shout out to the community. Yeah, right angle grinder. Twelve inches hard. of winding fury is not what you want squirreling around in your hands. You imagine the kick on that when it starts up. <sighs> We've. Jeez. I've used I've used we used to use the big grinders the eight inch grinders and you get one of those wheels and it is ex, ex, it's, ex, it's terrifying is the first few passes yeah. you know with a new especially I'm not talking about cutting disc but a rock a, you know like a rock disc they are like I mean it's like jumping like crazy and it's terrifying super terrifying yeah. there a buddy of mine does a lot of uh, steel structure like architecture and, and building and uh they have he calls it a burn saw i don't know what it's actually called but essentially it's a portable chop saw that's handheld so you're holding it by like in line with the blade kind of like a chainsaw yeah. and you're cutting mm-hmm. metal with that thing and it takes you know those standard i think 10 14 inch abrasive cutoff oh. uh blades and you imagine ugh. I am not interested. I'll pass on that one. I will say that that's probably how you, that's how you sharpen that gut hook. I, get up there <laughs> yeah, Your gut hook goes flying. I like that one. That's a good gut hook trick. <laughs> um, I used to get we used to get the not the discs but the rocks. We call them rocks. They're like big wide. It's like a big um, you know like a grinding disc, but it was like the size of like a like a giant cup. And they were a little bit less. Yeah. They were a little bit less scary because there wasn't so much. So much material, but I mean, at the same time, I, I, God, I hate the bright angle grinder community. Seriously, it's, it's, it's not, 
What you're? I have one of those cups. They're good. They're good for they're, like they're beasts. for like moving. Just but it's not it's not a finesse tool. I mean, this is for like oh, let's no. just blow. Let's, it's <laughs> no it's like way. the napalm of grinding. But I mean, you're like you're trying to like blow the whole joint up. God bless you. Yeah. God bless you, right angle grinder community. I ain't happy about it. So. We've got we've got another message. This one was an audio message, and this is from Will, buddy of the show, Will Stelter. As far as the <clears throat> sorry, I'm getting used to these voice message things. As far as the worst knife making advice goes, someone I for, I don't know who was running the page earlier hopped onto my live stream and asked me this question. It definitely had to be I was at a at a local blacksmithing convention and. I had brought some knives, and they were like, oh, you got to go talk to this guy. So I went over and talked to this guy, and I was like, so I hear you make knives. He goes, no, I don't make knives anymore. It's no good way to make money. You can't make money as a knife maker. You should just give it up. So I think probably someone encouraged me to, to give it up because it's impossible to make money as a knife maker, which is definitely not true. Is uh, is the worst advice that I've been given. Shout out to Will Stelter. That was... uh. I, I hate, you know, I tell you what, people, when people, anybody who ever tells you that, that it's no way to make money, it's no way that they didn't make money. I think that, you know, it's yes. always, yeah. I always think of, like, oh, yeah, you make, you sell knives, you're never going to make any money. It's them telling you, well, I can't do it. So that means if I think I can't do it, I think you can't do it either. And that's a flaw, huge flaw. Hmm. I was listening to, um, Will was mentioning that he was on a live stream when I asked him the question. Um, and he went into a bit more detail. So he was saying that the the friend who was giving him this advice, he said, was making awful, awful knives. And I think that's why this guy couldn't make a living out of it. And as you said, if I can't, you can't either. Well, it's, it's, there's ego involved. There's 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 people. Hmm. There people want to think that they gave it their best shot, and their best shot. If they gave it their best shot, that means that your best shot isn't as good as their best shot. And it's like, you know, every everybody's different. You got to set yourself apart. And you have to like have real strong feelings about it. And ultimately, it isn't about your legacy. It's about, you know, what you're doing, how you're making it happen and finding your own happiness and trying to, you know, everyone's not going to be Bob Kramer. But at the same time, that doesn't mean you can't get, you know, you can't, you shouldn't go for it. I hate, I hate it when people tell you what you shouldn't do. That's just like, that gets me really down when somebody says, oh, don't do that. It's a terrible idea. I, I say it for artists because I make a joke. I think it's a, I, I try to joke around a little bit about it, but like I, I, I cannot stand it when somebody tries to stomp on your, on you, on something, on your passion. It just, it's just, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. And ultimately it's, it's, it's this narcissistic cruelty. Narcissistic cruelty. I like that. I'd be using that one later today. All right. There you go. All right. Now, now, all right. So the next one comes from our buddy, Ed Jitz. Ed Jitz says, somebody said to him, you know what you should do? I get so many motherfuckers telling me that I should make some of these godforsaken cleavers that look like that Serbian fuck on that goddamn cooking on a rock video on on Instagram and Facebook. You know, we talked about that guy before. You know, he he cooks on, oh, he cooks yes, on a rock yeah. and he makes it. They speed it up so the chopping noise is very uh, ASM, ASMR, you know, that, that the, the noise is very uh, nice. And then he makes like awful hamburgers on rocks and stuff. They want him to make that. <laughs> You know about that guy? You oh, know yes. about that guy, right? Yeah, we mentioned him before. Yeah. Yes, yes. Stupid. It's like it looks like a, it's like a straightened out shovel that guy's cut cooking with. But everybody <laughs> wants poor Ed Jits down in Florida. Ed Jits poured down in Florida. He wants me to make a Serbian shovel knife. 
Uh, this next one is from Shipwright Skills. People tell me about all the better grinding discs and things I should use, though no one but me really knows what's happening here. Way to go, Angle Grinder community. Also, I've been switching. <laughs> also, I've been switching two different cup brushes back and forth without unplugging. Yeah, ship ship. I tell you what, danger. I got move. messages. I'm from now on. I'm unplugging the grinder to switch them out. Uh, Jesse said the same thing. Jesse said, yep. you know, I never do that, and I'm going to. I'm. I have two. I have two grinders. I'm going to get a third grinder, and I'm never going to have to switch them out again. It's just not worth it you're right you're right when you're right you're right even if it would save you a whole day's worth of work it's not worth permanently damaging your body in a way that you can't continue doing the work that you're doing it's not worth it when you're when you're right you're right and you're right you're right i I just say that (laughs) because a lot of people are like well it just takes a couple seconds it's not that dangerous i'm like that was me that was me i did that and a lot of people did too and we were wrong you were right we were wrong no you were right (laughs) okay you're right you're 100 percent right safety first safety first kids safety first we've we've got another one from kuto clk um, I think he's in Canada rather than France, yeah, actually. But this is a good one. This is a good one. The worst advice he ever got was around was when he made his first two by seventy two belt grinder. He was talking to a client about the process and about the belt grinder and the build and so on. And they said, "Hey, man, you know what you should do? You should take a palm sander upside down, stick it in a vice." And you can grind your steel right on that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you got those. Can you imagine? Maybe AMK Concepts makes those those shredder palm sanding uh, discs that they oh you can my. use. Two by one yeah. belts. Yeah, palm sander. <laughs> nothing like, can you imagine having to grind down your knife with a palm sander? Terrible. Oh, my God. Oh, jeez. Holy mackerel. Jeez. Holy mackerel. I, it reminds me, actually, that there's an, old, there's an old guy who lives in my village here, and he comes in occasionally to see what I'm up to. So, so if I'm grinding, you, you know, you're generally grinding with the, the bevel facing oh. up. And and he's always like, no, no, you're doing that wrong. You're definitely doing that. That's too dangerous. You're doing it wrong. I said, this is the way you do it. So you can see what you're doing. Everybody does it this way. He's like, no, no, you're definitely doing it wrong. And every time he comes in, he tells me the same thing. <laughs> hey, you, hey uh, Craig, you know what you should do? You should kick an old man's ass. That's what you should do. <laughs> you, should, you, should, you know what you should do? That's the best. You know what you should do I've heard today? You should kick an old man's ass. <laughs> Can you imagine the French newspaper's knife maker kicks an old man's ass? <laughs> You'd probably kick my ass. That's the problem. These old French guys, you can't trust them. He's not wrong though. You know what? You- <laughs> I, I, I do, I do most of my finish grinding with the edge down. Really? Yeah. Wow. I do. <laughs> I, you know what? I do it too because the position. Sometimes I do it because of the position. I like to hold the. I hold the knife with my right hand, and I can get one side a little bit. Finish grinding easier with my right hand. I face it down. Hmm. Well, and there's there's something to the way when the belt comes into contact with the blade, and it's basically pinned between the platen and the blade. It starts binding up. And uh, it grinds differently, edge up versus edge down. And so when I'm doing my finish grinding, I grind, I do the last few bits with the edge down. It helps me. I feel like I get much thinner geometry than I do with the edge up. Because you're also, you're twisting it, you're twisting it a little bit too. So if you're twisting it, you're going to get a little bit more out of that end. So it's pulling on the edge as opposed to pushing the edge, I suppose then, isn't it? Yeah. 
Yeah. Maybe the old French dude's right. Yeah, you know what? Maybe you, you should call him up and apologize for kicking his ass, for threatening to kick his ass on an international podcast. I apologize. Old man, you were right. Okay, we got one more. You know what you should do? You should go to combatabrasives.com and get 10% right. off all your orders with the promo code <laughs> KNIFETALK10. They're selling belts, discs, epoxy, stabilized woods. They've got everything you need as a knife maker. It's combatabrasives.com. I use them. I know Jeff and Mareko use them. Most people I know are using belts from Combat Abrasives. They're amazing. I'm loving those belts, man. Yeah. That was a slick, that was a very slick segue right there. <laughs> very, very nice. You know that was about as slick as it gets. You know what you should do? Yeah. Listen to Craig. You should. CombatAbrasives.com. Use the, the promo code KNIFETALK10. And you know what? If you're using any of our sponsors, let us know as well. We've had quite a few this week um, via Instagram. People just tagging us and so on when they're getting stuff. Just let us know. It's always good to know what works for you and what doesn't. And let the sponsors know where you found them. Yes. Let them know you found them from us. It's time for the Knife Talk quiz. So this is really simple. We've got 10 questions. Somebody buzzes in with the right answer, they win a point. If they buzz in and give the wrong answer, they lose a point. Couldn't be simpler. What about a funny answer? You get like half credit? Ooh. <laughs> no, it's, it's got to be factually correct. Factually correct. Oh, so have you both I'm got a buzzer? Fun. Jeff, have you got a buzzer? Yeah. Yes, here it sounds like this. Nice. How's that? Nice. All right. This is mine. Here's mine. Does that work? Or should I do? Should I go for a real? No, no, that's fast. It's good. No, that's good. Was that a rhinoceros? I mean, an elephant? <laughs> I already lost. That's negative one. <laughs> it, was a, it was. It was a turtle. It was a turtle. That was no. a negative one for me. I'm already in the back. I'm in the black. I'm in the red. Right. Are we ready? Rhinoceros. First ah, question ready. is, and fastest finger first. First question is, which is? Oh, also, also, there's no um, arguing with the with the referee. Um, these right. these are okay. all factually correct. I've I've googled these answers. They're on the internet. They need to, you know. Of course, they're right. They're on the internet. <laughs> yeah, I hope no fly press questions are in this. <laughs> That's where all the right information is. First question is: Coco Bolo comes from which continent? <laughs> Morocco. Uh, North America. Yeah, well, Central America. We'll give you that one. One. Well, it's a continent. North America is the continent. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm not arguing. <laughs> I'm not arguing. <laughs> Coco Bolo is American. Okay, 1.2 right. Morocco. Are you still with us, Jeff? I am with you. I wasn't, I'm going to try to not make a bad... <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Or I'm still trying to figure out why that's a rhinoceros or not. Go ahead. This one's contentious. This one's contentious. Which has the highest carbon content? 1095 or 52100? I'm going to say oh. Jeff. That was Jeff. <laughs> Jeffrey was in first. That was Jeff. That was. I'm going to say 52100. 52, just, just. So there's that, actually a bit of um, overlap between the two because apparently 1095 needs to have between 0.9 and 1% carbon, whereas 52100 has to have between 0.95 and 1.1%. So the answer's 52100. It's one all. Nice. Ugh. You ready? Go ahead. One inch is how many millimeters? Oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, Jeff was in, Jeff Jeff was in first. One. It's 
Uh, point four, Correct. 25.4. Two to Jeff, one to Morocco. Hey, shout, this, out, this, shout out! Shout out to MakeEverythingShop.com! <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter. You No one said anything about that. <laughs> shout out to Chris Zepp. You're going to get me in this thing. Eyes <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. down. Are we ready? Yes. If a right. baton is thicker, is a thicker version of a batonet, what is a smaller cut of a dice? Morocco. I'm going to say it's a uh, mint. No. No. Oh, really? I suppose, what, I mean, that dice? is smaller than a dice, but what's a, what's a very small dice is what I'm getting at. A fine dice. <laughs> no, you lose two. You lose two. You're on minus one, Morocco. Oh, oh it's a the Brunois. Brunois. You're going, you're going for the French term. Oh. My bad. Brunois. Brunois. Morocco, <sighs> minus one. Jeff's on two. Yeah. Holy mackerel. You both know this one. Wait, wait, I lost my I lost my buzzer app. Okay, go ahead. You both go know ahead. this one. All right, I'm ready. Speed. Speed is the essence. What does TPI stand for on a saw blade? <laughs> Morocco went first. <laughs> Teeth branch. Correct. That's good good one. Morocco's back on zero. Jeff yeah, is baby. on two. Woo, yeah. Okay, this you probably won't get this one. The world's <laughs> oh, most expensive knife. Has a name. What is it? Five, four, three, two. I mean, is it what? the King Tut dagger? <laughs> it's the it's the gem of the Orient knife, um, which recently oh, no. sold for over two million dollars. Why? Um, why would I know? How would anybody? Why would anybody want to know that? It was in the news. I was going <laughs> to just say like a bar of gold. I, I have no idea. All right, come, let's keep going. It was in the Come news. on. One hundred fifty-three emeralds and five diamonds, apparently. All right. Okay. You should know what you should do. You should make a you should make a cheaper copy. <laughs> yeah. Make a cheaper version of it. Go ahead. Right. Who was the first guest on episode one of Knife Talk? <laughs> Jeff was in first. Walter Sorrell. Correct. All right, baby. Three zero. Nice. Three zero. All right. I don't even look. Come on. What can I say? Right. We've got a couple of questions. Oh. This is another quick one. You both know this. What does VFD stand for? Morocco. Uh, is that me? Var- yes. Variable frequency yeah. drive. Yes, yes. And not as would... my, my wife thought it was, which was very fucking dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have gotten it. I would have made a mistake. I don't, I don't, I know the variable part. That's about it. It's 3 1. 3 1. All to play for. There's two questions left. So the best. Morocco can hope for is it? No, actually, if if Jeff gets one wrong, he go backwards. How much in U.S. dollars Ugh. is one of our T-shirts from KnifeTalk.net? Thirty. <laughs> Morocco's in again. Straight it's three two. All to play for, and we've got one question left. All right. Let's build some tension. We've got one left. <laughs> well, wait a second. Wait a second. If I get this one wrong, is there going to be a tiebreaker? Ooh. No, because you lose two points if you get it wrong. No, you lose a point. You lose a point. Oh, Jesus. What are you making up as you go along? Come on, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yes, there will be a tiebreaker. You both got your phones handy, haven't you? Yeah. Yep. Okay, then. So let's get this question over and done with first. Bit of tension. Build tension in the studio. Which of our listeners had a birthday this week? Oh, shit. Jeff. 
Bill Banky. Correct. All right, baby. Happy birthday, Bill. This one's for yeah, you, my birthday, man. Bill. Happy birthday. <laughs> what he's, what he's, happy birthday, Bill. Four Sorry, two to no, Jeff. Jeff. good. It was all luck. It was all luck. It was all Look luck. Look at the big brains on you, Jeff. I'm telling you, the 50-50 ones, I did well on the 50-50 ones, and then that's about it. I'm not there. This ain't. It's all good. Fine. All that good. was fun. I was t- very tense. It was tense. Coco yeah. Bolo. I'm like, if this is going to be more Coco Bolo questions, I am screwed. <laughs> I thought it was going to be African or something like that, Coco Bolo, but no, Central America, which is, yeah. I think we need to do more of them next week. I, that was fun. That was fun. Yeah. Maybe, well, maybe maybe you should be. Maybe we. Sh- maybe I can write the – if I won, I should do the questions so you can play. Oh, oh maybe. Okay. Okay. That's fine. It's you fine. know, I mean, unless you want – it's up to you. It's up to you. As long as you put it in the show notes so we know what we're doing. <laughs> oh, so, so the answers and questions are in there? <laughs> no, no. Keep, keep, keep them out. Keep them out. Well, you figure it out. We'll figure it out. Well, you know – here we are. Okay, you're the you're the quiz master next fun. week. You be the quiz master. All right. Be fun. All right. Ten questions. You got it. Craig's community showcase. This is the part of the show where we give some love to uh, our community at large, especially those that that inspire us and uh, and and or just who are our good buddies and who could use a little more love, uh, especially you know. Out on the Instagrams and getting some follows and helping people do their thing better and easier. Craig, who do you got? Mine is, um, to be honest, I don't think he needs the support um, because his, his books are closed, I know. Um, but I I didn't know anything about him. I stumbled up across him this week, and it's Mead's Knives. Um, Mead's M-E-A-D-E-S, Knives. Um, and he makes these beautiful, beautiful folding knives. Um, and they got, they got you know, the traditional sort of shield badges as well that people inlay. He does them, and they're they're just they're just stunning. So go and take a look at Meads Knives, M E A D E S Knives. Um, I think he's based in South Africa, um, and I know there's a bit of nice. a community there for folding knives. Um, but it, yeah, it really is beautiful, beautiful work. Really nice and clean, um, and not these you know not a, an aggressive looking knife. They're really elegant and they're very nice. So Meads Knives on Instagram. Love it, nice, Jeff. Who you got? Well, well I, uh, I w- I'm swapping it out because I just had a great t- uh, day yesterday. I want to talk about my my the team that I'm a member of. This awesome group of blacksmiths called The Modern Forge. It's The Modern Forge on Instagram. And I tell you what, I had an awful week, and it just turned around by hanging out and forging with um, the group, The Modern Forge. It's my buddies Jesse Savage, uh, Carrie Savage. Uh, Cliff Dufton, that's CJ Dufton, uh, John Ariane, Dave Cardilla, who's also known as Damascus Dave. And uh, we we forged out um, – I'm, I'm doing a project that I'm going to talk more about next week. And we had to forge out 150 bottle openers. And it was a very fast-paced thing. We actually – because it was so fast-paced and we didn't have a whole lot of time to uh, do the work, we uh, – Cliff – uh, design them to be uh, the the blanks to be water jet cut out, and we all grew as a group. This is why blacksmithing so awesome. <clears throat> you you work as a team. You work with strikers, and it's very uh, team oriented. And we do the makers fair, and we're going to do another makers fair this year. Plus, we're going to do something else in uh, in with maybe with Jimmy Deresta at some point. And it's just one of these things that. Uh, these guys are like my brothers, and we have hammer-ins with them, and, and um, it's just 
when you're a blacksmith and you're working with other blacksmiths and you're working as a team, everything's so organized and it's like therapy for me. So when I see these guys, they are just awesome. We're going to do more things together. I, every time I see them, everybody, we have a good time, lots of jokes, we eat some food, but we forge very in a very very organized manner we're, we're you know strikers and teammates and we have things to do and doing 150 i think we forged out 130 finished 130 bottle openers yesterday it was it was hard work it was a production work but we laughed the whole day and we had a great time so love shout it. out to the greatest of all time i love these guys i love every single one of them rick barter is <laughs> going to be joining us pretty soon in the in the group and it was just uh I can't I can't thank them enough for just you know Sunset hosted this time and, and we're, we just had a blast. So mod, the Modern Forge, look, it's blacksmiths different than a bladesmith. A lot of times when you're doing you know production work, whether it's railings or you know you know you you end up doing these kind of difficult things over and over again, these steps over and over again. And sometimes people don't like you know knife making is different because you you're doing one knife and then you're working on that whole thing all the time, but with blacksmithing, you can do a st- one step, and you do all that one step, and it's very good for your mind. I, I-, I feel like um, being with these guys make me uh, – I learned from all of them, and they're all really great blacksmiths. They're super smart. They're, everything is, you know, very organized and modern forge. Nice. Yeah. I-, I looked at some of the was- pictures of what you did <clears throat> yesterday, and they look identical. Every single one of those bottle openers looks identical. It's great. Well, I just just told you that you know we had the blanks water jet cut out there, Craig, and you know it wasn't like I said it wasn't we didn't have a whole lot of time to forge them all from scratch, so we had the blanks cut out um, and the holes popped, and then we were you know we forged them down and uh, you know that had a little uh, technical the the modern part came out, but Cliff helped design uh, the modern part, so we uh, we had to like we had a very short turnaround, so we couldn't. Uh, we couldn't actually forge everything from hmm. scratch, so we had a little modern assist. Nice. I was really hoping I could join as the Damascus guy, but you guys got Dave. We're, we're I wanted we're gonna, to, I want to learn no. some more blacksmithing shit. I got nothing. Well, we're gonna we're listen, listen. We 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 talked about it yesterday. This was one of those things that was this was like a business thing. This wasn't we right, had, no, it was no, always no. an awful we had a tight deadline and it wasn't a lot of fooling around. So um, this is a project that I'm going to be doing next week. I'll talk about it more next week, but it was a very, very tight turnaround and we didn't have time to fool around at all. Like there was no, other than working on those bottle openers, there wasn't a whole lot of anything else. No, I'm sorry. You're not coming to the next one. Yeah. You're not not necessarily for, sure. for this project, just in general. I was, I, I was really hoping I could join, bring some Damascus stuff to the, the modern no, we, thing. But. We talked about it. I know that Sunset <laughs> mentioned to you, he wanted to know what you needed and we're going to set up a time and. We're gonna have you down with us, and we're gonna we're gonna we we talked about it yesterday. We know all about it. We know all about it. You're gonna you're on your way. You just have to figure out a date. Love it, love it. All right. Well, this week uh, I want to give some love uh, to my friend Mark Bartlett. He's a maker from Tennessee. He's on Instagram at Bartlett. That's B A R T L E T T underscore custom underscore knives. He. I think he, I think he's at around 2500 followers but he is really an under underappreciated maker I think and I think part of it is because he does only do it part time but as a part time maker who I think hasn't really been doing hasn't been making knives for very long maybe 5 years he is creating work on par 
with some of the top master smiths in the country. Uh, and I, he just has this mind that is wrapped up in doing everything just absolutely perfectly right the first time. And it, which is hard to do. And, you know, I, I know that uh, for a lot of folks, the, the approach is to make a lot of mistakes or, you know, it, the, uh, the joy is, comes from making, you know, just getting in there and doing and learning as you go and make, I mean, that's how I did things for, for a lot, uh, a lot of my career. And I've been fortunate also to train with some very talented people, but, but moreover, I just want to give Mark some love. Um, I've been doing some kind of pseudo collaboration work with him in a way where I, uh, I, uh, actually I think Jeff, did you, you forged out some, uh, a bottle opener from some leftover material from, um, Bob Rankin. Bob Rankin. I I tend to have little bits and pieces of mosaic Damascus left over. That's nothing worthwhile for any chef's knives or even a uh, or even really like a paring knife or most of the stuff I do. But it's enough that somebody could make small folder blades out of. So I've been I uh, I connected with Mark. Actually, he reached out to me wanting to buy stuff. I'm like, no, dude, you don't have to buy anything because I just I truly really admire his work. And uh, I was like, look, I got these scraps hanging out. I'll forge them out into a more usable dimension for you, which takes me about all of 10 minutes. And uh, I'll get them in the mail to you. And he's turned around and turned trans, uh, transformed them into just absolutely gorgeous foldies. He did this, uh, I think I think it's called a dog bone. Traditionally, a dog bone buoy is like, uh, what was it, John White used to do, Mike Quisenberry does. And, uh, and uh, uh, there's a... Tim Hancock is very uh, famous for the dog bone buoys, but Mark made a uh, made a folder style dagger, and it's just a little, you know, like a little three and a half four inch dagger folding knife, but it's beautifully executed. And so, well, you you got to ch- go in there and check it out. His stuff is phenomenal. Nice. Well, the next time you go see, when you can, next time you come to the Hammer Inn, bring some scraps, and we'll make some bottle openers out of your scraps, and you'll have something to take take I home got- with you. I got scraps. Yeah, bring those scraps. We'll make some bottle openers, man. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? <laughs> hey, man, can I ask you a question? Questions from our listeners. So the first one, we've already mentioned it once in the show already. It's John from Sunset Forge. Sunset Forge NJ. Um, he says, hey, man, can I ask you a question? Do you have any tips for shaping multi-material handles? For example, even when sanding two different types of wood uh, next to each other, one responds differently to the sandpaper than the other. You can end up with weird dips and unevenness, and even more mm. so when it's metal adjacent to a wood. Um, and he's asking for a friend, apparently. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Also, shout out to Mad Knives for having the same question. Hmm. I, I've, I've had this in the past where I've, I've used um, brass liners um, and when I then come to sand the uh, the grind away, the, the the brass liners tend to go much quicker and easier than the hardened steel. So you're left with this little dip. Mm. Um, so the only way I found around that really was to use a really something really hard and rigid to wrap your sandpaper around and make sure you always go in that you know you, you're not sort of angling in any way. Um, so everything will come down at the same rate. Um, but I'm interested if you know whether you guys have different ways of doing that. Jeff, uh, I mean, I, I hate that. I hate it. I, I when I did some spacers on some wah style handles, what I liked was using a disc sander because 
one of the things is, is I know exactly what you're talking about. Those little brass liners can mm. uh, sand differently. You know, all that stuff sands on the different side. But when you're using a, a disc grinder, and I know I'm telling you all to use a disc grinder, but the, the sandpaper is actually coming. You're, you're not holding it. You're holding it in a way that the sandpaper is. I'm just getting better results using a uh, a, a disc grinder to uh, start to make sure it's starting out flat um, all day in general. But I would imagine it's also the the speed of your sandpaper. Sometimes um, if you go too fast, it'll, you know, especially with brass, it heats that brass up too. Mm. Um, but I, I like I use I mean I, I for my Corby bolts I always do everything on the disc grinder and then that sets the tone. So by the time I'm hand sanding those different materials, I'm just kind of like, I'm finishing up the scratch pattern. I'm not really moving a lot of material. But you know, John doesn't mm. have a disc grinder on a train. Did you see him the other day? He was hand sanding a knife on a train. Ridiculous. I know. John, John is John is a, John is a bad mother. John's the greatest. Uh, Ariane is the greatest. He's... He was on a, a New Jersey Transit with uh, with his integral knife. He was hand sanding it on the uh, sitting in the passenger seat. Um, yeah, that's right. He's John. Oh my he's, he's a terrifying. He's a little scary dude too. A little intimidating. I don't think any train conductor is going to say a word. Right. Uh, my advice. Uh, I so when I, f- I worked for Bob Kramer, uh, that handles was like my thing. He passed it over to me after about being there for, I think like six months or so. And and his handles feature three Corby bolts, or sorry, two Corby bolts and a, and a mosaic pin. And the biggest, and they're heavily contoured. And the problem that you see, or a lot of people experience, is that because the belts, especially if you're using a slack belt uh, to do any sculpting or even hand sanding, like you're talking about, uh, has a tendency to remove the wood material quicker than the metal. And the the way I've found around that is to like Craig was starting to to get to or was talking about is using a firmer backing. Um, and so if what I'm fortunate, I have a rotary platen now. So essentially that's a rubber belt uh, that offers a little bit of give like a slack, but it's not as hard as a, as a metal platen. Uh, but I've found that the biggest, uh, the best thing you could do is have um, a firm backing behind that abrasive so that, you, it's limited as as to how far you can go beyond. So it has to cut the metal at least at the same rate as as the wood because that, that firm backing is back there. And I've I that's one of the things that kind of helps my work stand apart is when they see when a lot of people see my work, they cannot feel a transition from the integral bolster to the wood, and that's because I'm using uh a, a, you can you can do it on the on a sorry on a, on a flat platen. I would. I would advise getting maybe a scrap piece of leather or something though to help just kind of soften it just a little bit because that could be a little harsh on on the uh, on the material that you're grinding. But having a, a hard backer helps everything cut evenly, and it's it's I don't know it's I feel like it's hard to visualize or I'm not doing a good job explaining it until you actually see it and then it just clicks and you get it. Um, but it really makes a big difference. And then once they're all once you've got them even, I take them up to like 200 400. And then uh, you, the last little bits are just, just very lightly, like Jeff was saying, uh, you know, cleaning things up so you're not removing too much material. But that's what makes the the disc sander so great for when Jeff's doing the the octagonal yeah. handles or the wall handles. 
it's that firm backing of the of the disc right behind the abrasive so it's cutting the metal in the bolster guard as well as the wood all at the same time instead of being right. able getting that opportunity to dish out the wood uh that you would experience with a slack uh kind of a slack belt situation and also the different materials are you know if you if you're just if we're just talking just corbys the difference between sanding down a brass Corby and a stainless steel Corby is a different ballgame. The stainless steel oh, for Corbys, sure. if you're, you know, basically if you're using the same knife with G10 handles or whatever, wood or whatever, the brass is going to cut a lot easier than the, the the stainless steel. So you're you're having to deal with that too. Um, right. It's but that I I think that that's exactly what you explained it perfectly, and that's probably the reason why the disc sander works so well for me because I have that. You know that constant uh, firm backing behind the, the sandpaper. Cool. Yeah. All right. The next one we have is from Trinity Knifeworks. He says, "Hey man, can I ask you a question? Uh, I have, I've been using a propane forge and a one by thir- sorry one by forty two uh, belt grinder for about eight months. I almost have enough money saved up to buy another." T- uh, either a two by seventy two belt grinder or a heat treat oven. I realize you're both uh, both are important, but what should be the priority? I use uh, eighty CRV two and uh, ten ninety five mostly. Thanks, Mark. P.S. Love the show. Um, so I would. Oh man, the belt grinder mm. or the kiln? Mm. I'd say if he's got somewhere where he can actually send stuff out to be heat treated, um, maybe go for the grinder first. But if he doesn't, yeah. I mean, he's, he's got a one by forty-two already. Keep hold of that and get an oven, um, yeah. because yeah, I mean, nothing's more important, I suppose, than than the uh, you know the, the heat treat. Otherwise, you just got a sort of right. knife-shaped object. So, yeah, if you can get them heat treated elsewhere, you know, we can send them out. Great, go for a new grinder. If you can't, get the oven. That would be my sort of advice there. I would say that the, similar. I would go with the the oven over the grinder because. Um, you know, all of a sudden, you, it, it, it kills the doubt on your heat treatment. It also opens you up to more different types of steel. And you're already making it happen with the 1x42. And, you know, you can, you can make it happen that way. But you can't really make it happen as well without the heat treating oven. Mm. The other thing is, is when you send stuff out, if you're got, if you, some of the guys I know who send stuff out, they gotta, you got to send a, for it to be worth it, you got to send a pile out. You can't just send one or two. Sometimes if you're trying to do this more often – it's better to um, send out, you know, better to do it yourself, I would say. I, I'd, get the oven, I'd get the oven over the grinder. I would say, I, you know, I would actually, I, I would go with the grinder uh, over the heat treating kiln. And I think because of what Craig was saying, because you can send it out. And it is a little bit more expensive uh, if you're only doing small, small batches, maybe, you know, anywhere from basically anything less than 20. But the cost difference uh, overall isn't going to complete. It's like a few bucks. It's not going to break the bank. But the versatility that you have with a, a larger grinder, especially a 2 by 72 the, the just the amount of room you have to play with, especially between like the top and bottom wheel on your platen, uh, you know, you pull that flat platen out and then you have all this great space to work with for contouring and shaping handles. You can also create, uh, there are a lot more belts available for 2 by 72 So if you want to start experimenting with doing Scotch-Brite finishes or, or cork belts or just getting you know, get going all the way up to like 6,000 grit belts. Uh, you can do that. Also, um, being able to design and, or, or 
kind of create your own tooling to suit your use, I think is, I I just, or is a great plus as well. So I think there's just a lot more flexibility that you can achieve with a one by 72 that could maybe, that could be holding you back with your one by 42 because you're limited by your abrasives or what kind of tooling is available. You can only kind of make a kind of certain kind of knife um, or size knife or style knife. But with a two by 72, that opens you up to a whole new world. You can make anything from little bird and trout, uh, you know, uh, gutting knives and stuff to all the way up to swords. So, and anything, basically anything in between. I get it. <laughs> I agree. Aha! <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Yes, this comes from Casper Verheijden. I don't know what Casper. You know how it is. I, I I don't know how to spell your name, but I'm with you. Hey man, can I ask you a question? What thickness do you guys rough grind your blades to preheat treat? I know we're going to have very different answers to this one. Um, I don't do any preheat grinding at all um, with regards to the bevels, um, simply because I've just had bad experiences in the past with with warping and that kind of thing. And I just it mm. just takes a lot of time. So I just think for the sake of, you know, the odd extra fresh belt, um, I do everything after heat rate. And I start with pretty, you know, pretty uh, thin stock anyway. Um, it's not as if I'm doing, you know, like a big hunting knife with a six mil stock, you know, it, they're all sort of thin blades anyway. Um, so I'm not finding, you know, that much extra wear to the to belts. So I do everything after heat treat now. Right. Six well, you're probably 1564. <laughs> right. I was going to say the th- you're probably working with like maybe three mil. 2.3 mil. 2.3 mil. 2.3. Yes. Yeah. Wow. And thin. That's 330 seconds. That's 330 seconds, everybody. 330 seconds. Shout out to Make Everything Shop. I, I, you know, I, what I've been doing lately is I take a little bit of material off if I'm using an eighth inch uh, material or three thirty three thirty seconds. I usually I take just a hair a little bit off, but I, I like to keep, especially with stainless steel, I, I don't put any distal taper in because uh, when I'm when I'm um, when I'm plate quenching, I don't have to worry so much as much about warping um, the way I do it. Uh, I take a little bit of material off and usually leave the thick, well, as they say, the thickness of a dime. Um, I don't go bananas, but I do take a little bit of material off so it's not so hard um, after after the heat treatment on the abrasives. Essentially, stainless steels usually a little bit more of a bur- uh, uh, you know, um, a bear. So I take a little bit. I, t- I leave a thickness of a dime, no distal taper. What's the thickness of a dime? Is that is that on your sticker there? Uh, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm, I, you know what? I don't have a caliper. I don't have a caliper. I, yeah, I, no, I, I, is, I'm just. It's I, about I, fifty thousandths of an inch. Fifty thousandths uh, of an inch. What's that? It's, it's just under a sixteenth. It's about three thirty seconds. <laughs> or yeah. No, three thirty seconds. Or, wait, that, that's just over a sixteenth. My bad. Anyways, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's just under a sixteenth of an inch. I usually try. So for me, I try to heat treat around a sixteenth of an inch. Uh, yeah. Sometimes a little under, sometimes a little over. But it depends on what I'm doing with the blade. Uh, meaning how it was treated before. If I had forged the blade, then for uh, for the most part, I actually I usually well actually I sorry I do. Thermal cycling and everything at forge thickness, which is it's about a sixteenth to an eighth of an inch at the edge, uh, and tapers down from the spine from about two hundred thousandths uh, down to down to out to the tip. 
But I do some pre-final hardening grinding, and that's when I take it down to about a sixteenth of an inch uh, and do my final hardening there. And yeah, so about a sixteenth of an inch for me. Cool. 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 We've got one from Hillside Forge, and this one's been floating around in our notes for a few weeks now. Yeah. Um, if you were lost in the jungle, what style of knife would you take with you to survive? What are you doing? What are you doing? Answer. Getting lost in the jungle? <laughs> uh, you're gonna hate my answer. My answer is, um, I would take a Leatherman. Mm-hmm. You're gonna hate it. I'm gonna. I you know what? I, when I was uh, back in the day, when I was doing working at welding shops, I constantly needed to cut the MIG wire, and I, I hated having a big uh, thing in my pocket. And I got a uh, Leatherman Wave. I love that thing. And I always thought I, I'll never forget watching old. You know, see how old I am. I watched Gilligan's Island, and they would have something like you know, like a, a case of canned food would arrive. You know, float on board. And they couldn't open. They couldn't figure out how to open the the cans of like whatever. Um, I love. I do like a Leatherman. If if I have to have any knife in my pocket, it, and I don't, I don't carry anything. I would probably be a Leatherman. And if I was in the jungle, I'd like a Leatherman. Cool. You know, for stripping, for stripping all that wire in the jungle, you know. <laughs> yeah, all that MIG wire. Yeah, <laughs> all that wire in the jungle. I'd say probably um, something like a uh, very similar to a Leatherman, a Swiss Army knife. Um, just you know, a small pocket Victorianox, you know, those little red things. Because you know, you're going to want to cut your toenails and file your nails. Jesus, you know, <laughs> in the jungle. <laughs> that's what you're worried about in the jungle. You're going to want to pick the bugs out of your teeth. <laughs> Exactly. Oh. Exactly. Now nah, oh. a little screwdriver for you know putting flat pack furniture <laughs> oh, yeah. together. <laughs> yeah, when you're in the jungle. You need to put all that IKEA furniture together. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I yeah, let's go for a Swiss Army knife. <laughs> right. I think so. From all this, I I have friends who do bushcrafting, which is essentially going out and doing practicing survival skills in the woods and stuff like that, and uh, as well as reading articles and seeing watching videos online. Uh, and you know, most most of them only carry maybe a uh, like a three or four inch fixed blade. Uh, ideally, something with. Uh, like a sorry a paracord wrapped handle that way you have that cord handy uh for making <laughs> snares <laughs> or uh Dang, you know girl, you're ma- ready you are ready you know doing any baton you know you could cut off cut down a little branch baton the end and wrap it up and make a little spear for spear fishing <laughs> this Whoa. sounds ridiculous the problem you're is like rambo no that's a good answer well, problem is I don't know how any of this shit. I've just like I said, <laughs> I've, I've only talked to friends. I've watched videos. I don't really know how all that works. So if anybody wants to go out do some bushcrafting, let's make it happen. But otherwise, uh, I'm gonna be. I want to see you making a frame style with Moreca. <laughs> I want to see you yeah, spear fishing. <laughs> hey, I'm Islander, baby. We know how to chuck them spears. All right, well, it's a thing, you know. It's uh, what is it in the surf? There's surf fishing with the spears. Oh, spear! Have you done that before? Have you done that before? I haven't, but I look forward to doing it in the future. This next one comes from Jimmy Knives. Hey, man, I like this question by the way. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? If you could be have a mentor from one maker who inspires you, who would it be? Who would be your mentor? Who would be your mentor? 
Difficult. Anyone? Difficult. I well, I have an answer, uh, and I, it is going to be someone who inspires me very much because of his. I would say Nick Anger. I like. I am a. I love that guy for a lot of reasons. One is is he's figured out a way to. Re, if you, we've talked about separating yourselves out in the past, he's figured out a way to separate himself out as his own style, his own. Um, the way he goes about making his knives. He's also very closer to my idea of what, you know, he, he's got a, like a more artistic mindset in the sense of like, he doesn't go by, he's a little bit more unorthodox on how he makes things and he doesn't get bogged down by a lot of, you know, d- details in certain circumstances. I really like his, <clears throat> pardon me, I like his attitude. Uh, it's a little bit coarse. He's a little bit terrifying, but he's uh, really, really, interesting guy i'd like to spend more time with him he gave me an invite so maybe i will craig who do you got i've still given this some thought you know um i think there's a bunch of makers and for different reasons each of them um and in fact I, i sent an email out today to some well this week um asking for advice from somebody and that was um we always mention toma from florentine um yeah baby because I'm, well, I'm going to talk about this a bit later in my notes to a young knife, young knife maker. But um, I've struggled finding the right audience, um, and Toma has done it perfectly. So his audience are restaurants and chefs, um, and he's killing it. You know, um, so with regards to sort of business wise, it would be Toma. With regards to, you know, making my knives better, um, it's changing all the time because I'm always seeing you know different work and. And that kind of stuff, you know, just flowing through your feed on Instagram, for example. Um, but you know, I'd be it would be wrong of me not to say you two guys to begin with. You're oh, very man. sweet. Well, not me. Sweet. You know, hey. without a doubt, hey, without a doubt. But I just, listen. yeah, it, cha- oh, it changes all the time. It changes all the time. So I take inspiration oh, yeah. from a lot of people, um, and I said that will change. <laughs> Ding. Don't get sappy. Don't get sappy. <laughs> All right. Captain Blackheart. Yeah. Don't get sentimental. Yeah. I, you know, if I were to, and I'm actually, I'm hoping to make this happen when, once I move back, but I would love to get some s- solid hang time with Nick Wheeler. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, and when I get back, he's only going to be an hour away from me. And so, um, yeah, I just hit his approach and his style is I feel like is very different from mine um, where I do a lot of thing, a lot of basically everything by eye. Um, He's very, he's regimented, but it's, it's all very good because his work is so clean uh, and precise. And I, I feel like I lack that a bit um, in my work. And so I would love to get time with a, a craftsman like that. Uh, especially him, um, just because, you know, he's he's the godfather. Marengo's notes to a new knife maker. How's it going, everybody? We're here to teach you a couple things. Well, I don't know if necessarily teach you, but just kind of offer our tips and pointers, things that have helped us. Uh, and so I'm going to kick it off, and I'm going to talk about some aspects of social media because social media could be like a 10-part series all on its own. Uh, but I want to, a, a lot of people ask me, you know, what do you do that helps you uh, or do you find that helps you the most with your business uh, and your social media? And um, I, I tell them stories. 
or I, I tell people that the stories function in Instagram is a really, really great way to offer a kind of behind the scenes look, uh, you know, uh, in, in, in your approach to knife making, I guess, basically. And uh, a lot of folks I think are starting to transition to a kind of like Jeff has a beautiful feed. He's got really nice, clean photos. Um, and then, the stories off uh, the stories function in Instagram <laughs> offers a really it offers a nice behind the scene look. He does like the before and after with the handles. He gets in there and goes crazy on people on the live streams. Um, but I think the fun the fun part is it, it gets it, you get to show the unpolished side, and some of that is especially if you're a newer maker, is just your learning process. It's it's a it's kind of like vlogging in a way. Uh, it's like micro vlogging, um, and especially if you save them to highlights. Um, but I just I think it's a great way to kind of test the waters and, and not feel like you have to be super polished. Because uh, I think that's the other thing a lot of people over over concern themselves is about their feed being super polished, uh, especially when they're first starting, at least. Um, and worrying uh, worrying so much about the content, what kind of photos, does it have the right filter? Is it really actually a good photo? Is it high quality enough? That it it's almost like a uh, it, they just they can't do anything because they're overthinking it. And stories offers you that opportunity to not have to worry about being overly polished to be a little bit more raw and to be yourself a little bit more. Um, and yeah, I've heard people uh, share concerns about, um, about, about the algorithms basically in that stories doesn't necessarily bring much value to you, especially if you're trying to build a, build a brand around your, your knife making. But in meeting with uh, Gary Vaynerchuk's brand uh, brand manager, he explained to me that it works just the same as the normal uh, Instagram feed. Uh, Instagram is Instagram's job is to try to, I guess, curate, help curate for you the most enjoyable experience possible. And it sounds creepy, but basically they they can they can track how much time you're spending when you scroll through pictures. If you slow down for one or just swipe right past another, it's the same thing with stories. And the more time you watch stories, the more you engage with them. It's that it, they're taking in that same information so that it, it goes through. And when you're on your homepage, you're seeing stuff from that person. You're seeing stuff from Jeff because you've been watching his stories. You're seeing stuff from knife talk or, or chop knives or, or, you know, modern forge because you've been looking at their both their feed and their stories, and but I think more than anything, like we were talking about, I think last week about trying to differentiate differentiate yourself and stand out. The biggest thing that you can do for yourself is to just tell your story and and invite essentially invite people along the journey of you, especially as a new maker trying to figure out how to even make knives, uh, the pitfalls, the downsides, the upgrades, of the, in a, you know, in your equipment and your kit. As well, you know, your failures and successes, that's all really great stuff to help and create essentially that strong community base around you. And so that's it. That's what I got. Instagram well, thank stories. you for the kind words. Thank you for the kind words. I appreciate it. And yeah. um, I think that for me in regards to the polish, I totally agree, a thousand percent agree with everything you said. I try to keep my – the only reason why I try to keep my feed clean is because it feeds my website because a lot of my customers don't – on Instagram. So it allows me to not have to double double up on pictures all the time. But uh, I 100% agree with everything you said. Thank you very much. I'm with you. Nice. Nice. 
Now, yeah. mine's in a similar vein, really, talking about sort of social media, that kind of thing. And I'm not really trying to give advice here. If anything, I'm looking for advice myself. So it's it's about finding your audience. So I, I've been doing a bit of sort of an audit lately on my social media stuff, to, you know, to try and find out who's following Chop, um, who's interacting, who's not. Um, and the majority of my sort of followers, if you like, are knife other knife makers. Um, when I first started doing the show, we got, you know, a, a bunch of people started following me, that kind of thing. Um, and I just think that's all great. And, I, you know, I, I sell quite a few knives, actually, to other knife makers. But I think my core audience really should be should be chefs and restaurants because I'm making knives for the kitchen and for the table. So yeah. so that's where I'm struggling. So I'd say when you first start out, make sure you're targeting the right people, the people who are going to be buying your knives. Now, it's it's a bit strange to me because obviously I do this show and, you know, it's it's, you know, intended to be for other knife makers. Um, but I, I'm struggling to find that, to find my audience properly, the people who are buying my knives, um, who, or rather who, who I'd like to be buying my knives. Um, so, so I've taken a bit of a slightly different tack over the last few weeks of, you know, what I'm posting and who I'm interacting with online. Um, I've, mm. I've gone back through even my followers and, you know, lots of them were just sort of spammy stuff and got rid of a lot of them as well. Um, yep. And just trying to think of things, you know, that, that's going to attract the potential customer, not necessarily um, people who do the same thing as me. So so that's what I'm sort of stuck in at the moment. So, I mean, I suppose the tip is when you're starting out, you know, find that audience and promote, not exclusively to them, um, but, but find clever ways to promote to them. Um, and if anybody's got any other tips, you know, send them my way because it's something that I'm struggling with at the moment. And, you know, if, if, if people can help me out as well, that would be great. Well, I, I, mm. for me, I've, I've always uh, tried to use hashtags in a way that I'm not using the hashtags that other – you know, a lot of times you read hashtags based on what other knife makers are doing. Mm. And you're attracting other knife makers because you're using their kind of terminology of what they would do. So when I started doing hashtags, I mean, we're talking in the beginning of Instagram – I was really trying to go as simple as possible. And I was using chef and food and knife and mm. knives and not dealing with like these obscure hashtags. Because a lot of times people don't really look at, you know, hashtags that are, you know, I, I, I know this one guy in this one restaurant, he does yum with like 25 U's. It's like, who the, who the hell is going to look at that? That's the dumbest thing. I mean, who's going who's gonna to count all the U's? It's, ridic- it's ridiculous. So I really try to go as simple and as local as possible. New York, Hudson Valley, uh, chef, knives, food. And, and a lot of times because – or gift or, you know, custom. I, 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 the people who are looking, they might not even think to look for a knife. But if you go really, really basic, a lot of those big, you know, broader hashtags – you might find people more your I, – I don't sell anything to knife makers. Thank – and, you know, I'm glad. I, I really target, you know, people who are not – most of my customers have never bought a custom knife before. So I'm like trying to use these basic things, uh, very local things. I've said this before, but it's really changed – I mean, it's really helped me. But now I've noticed that I'm – Less people are finding me through hashtags, and I'm, I got sucked into a couple al- algorithms for a while. But other than that, that was, for me, the best way to um, to differentiate myself from just, like, you know, like knife porn. I mean, any mm, person who yeah. looks up knife porn, I mean, that's I mean, that's just, like, 
I put it in a lot. But then all of a sudden one day I was just like, what kind of person's writing knife porn? Or who's looking up? Who wants to look at knife porn? It's just weird. Hmm. Super weird. So but I did it. I put it up. I've got a uh, like a note on my phone of various hashtags. So whenever I do a post, I can just paste them in. Yeah. Um, yep. But it would be really one. nice if the and I know you can you can get various analytics from Instagram, especially with stories that kind of thing. But it would be nice to be able to see what hashtags are working and what aren't. Um, you know, but you, mm. you can't really go that granular with it to see what's working and what isn't. So it's very hit or miss. Um, but you, but you can see which ones people are looking at the most. Yes, yes, but not necessarily of yours, but in general. Right. Yes, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. However, with that said, I got a nasty message from one of my customers who said who was not happy with me for all the hashtags. He, he wrote me. He's like, I don't know why you have to put so many hashtags out there. Your work should be able to sell itself. And I was like, instead of going back and forth with them, I said, all right. I mean, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. And, and it got to the point where I was thinking to myself, well, what is this guy? Th- I mean, how am I supposed to be? In, I mean, how am I supposed to be in business? I'm trying to be in hmm. business here. I'm not allowed to. I'm not allowed to promote. I'm not allowed to try to make this thing happen. It's it a little bit like, all right, you know, calm it can, down. It can down. look ugly in the feed, can't it? But I think I've cracked it this week. So it's been bugging me how sometimes Instagram lets you start a new paragraph and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it renders with a new paragraph. Sometimes it doesn't. The, the trick yeah. I found this week is when you finish a sentence, you generally you automatically normally press space, don't you? Then you'll press return for your new paragraph. If you don't put a space after a you know whatever sentence or a full stop, if you don't put a space, but then you just hit return, it'll give you that line break. Um, so you oh, so you nice. so you can separate your hashtags from your content. Um, but just yeah, just don't put a space before you start your hashtags. Just literally go straight yeah. to return. Give yourself a line break, and then either paste them in or whatever you want to do that way. There you go. I- I, I do my hashtags as the first comment on the post. So I post the thing, I go to my notes, copy all my hashtags, and then it becomes the first comment. That way it's completely separate does that from, work? The cap, from the caption. It does. Uh-huh. I'm going to do that next time. That's a good one. That was a good one. Mm. I'm going to do that next one. Mm. And I'm sure some people are listening. They're thinking, geez, you're concentrating on hashtags a lot. But it's basically all of my marketing is done via Instagram. There's Nothing on Twitter. Nothing happens on Twitter for for me anyway. Um, oh Facebook God, is very no. little. That sort of family and friends will go and like stuff just to be polite. Um, it's to me, it's all about Instagram. And but again, if anybody thinks differently, or you know, if if they found something else that works for them, let me know. That would be great. Well, my notes to a young knife maker is going to be completely different. Completely different. <laughs> and this is comes from something that I've been doing a lot lately, and I've been urged to do it, and I'm doing this for my friend Jared Thatcher of Boot Hill Blades. I'm, I'm going to give you a recipe. I'm going to give you a recipe that is going to knock the socks off of anybody you know. This isn't even cooking. This is I don't even think it's cooking. I'm going to tell you how to make a Gravelox. Gravelox is a fantastic salmon dish. I don't, I'm convinced it's not even cooking. So gra- if you like smoked salmon, but you don't want to pay too much, you make some Gravelox. It's super easy. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to do two to one brown sugar to kosher salt, like half a cup of brown sugar to a cup of a half a cup of kosher salt to brown sugar and mix it together with a little bit of black pepper, crushed black, crush, uh, you, you know, cracked pe- pe- black pepper. You get a side of salmon Check for the pin bones, which means you rub your fingers from the from the uh, the front to the tail. Pull the pin bones out. That's where the leatherman comes in. 
That's where. That's right. That's exactly <laughs> right. That's actually where the gut hook comes in too. You could use your gut hook. Go get your gut hook and you cut it in two. So then, yeah, that's right. So then you can cut it in half or you can get a long stem or whatever. And then what you're going to do is you're going to mix that kosher salt brown sugar together with the pepper. And then you're going to take a piece of, uh, as they say in the UK, cling fill or saran wrap. Click and film. you put your – put film. a little bit of – all right, all right, all right. So you put the, a little bit of the mix on the on – the, on the saran wrap, then you put your skin side down, then you pick some more of that uh, brown sugar, kosher salt mix, put it on top, cover the whole thing, then you put a little a bunch of dill, you give it a uh, dash or a squirt of vodka or aquavit or gin or rum or whatever the hell you like, then you put a little bit more brown sugar mixture on top, then you put your other piece of salmon uh, flesh side down, so you're making like a sandwich, the rest of all your brown sugar and salt over the whole of that. Then you wrap the whole thing up tight with um, uh, the plastic wrap. And then pro tip, get yourself a big Ziploc bag. Put the whole thing tight in the Ziploc bag and then put it in a container with a lot of weight. Like cans of tomato sauce or cans of beans, whatever cans you have. Put it in the refrigerator and every 12 hours flip it around. You don't keep it in the Ziploc bag. Don't take it out of the Ziploc bag. It's, it's, a, it's a disaster. So then you f- weigh it, flip it over, fl- weigh it down. Flip it over, weigh it down. Three days, take it out. What? Rinse off all the material, all the the all the, the water and the gluck and the mud and the juice that's been coming out of it, <laughs> and then dry it off, and then cut it nice and thin, and you have something that your people are going to be shocked how good it is. And now you have, and then you can try try your knife skills and cut nice thin slices. Nice. This is the perfect. It's not even cooking. It's isn't cooking. I mean, it's like I mean, this is the easiest recipe. And it's 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 the best. It's the best easiest. It doesn't let you down. Does not let you down. It's bang on trend as well. well bang on the sort of Nordic food that kind of thing is bang on trend at the moment too. Well, it's – I mean it, it could not be any easier and it's delicious and it also lasts a lot longer because like I actually made it to three days and then you wipe it off and then to just to kind of – you keep it with the skin on so you can slice it easy. And um, uh, I know Fell Knives did, did it recently and, and I, I get – I do it a lot. I do it a lot. My wife loves it because, you know, in the mornings you, you cut a little bit and have a little and – it's, and it's cheaper than buying smoked salmon or it's cheaper than buying in the stores. It's super easy. It's the consistency is exactly like the smoked salmon that you get wherever you get it. It tastes delicious on a bayali, cream cheese, boom boom. There you go. Nice Ravelox. That's for you, Jared. You sent me a. You started messaging me saying, "Oh yeah, I need that recipe." Well, there you go, Jared. So leave me alone. Recipe of the week. It's a new spot for you, Jeff. That's it. That's it. Well, I'll you know, fine, no problem. (laughs) Ravelox, baby. So that's a show. That's another show under our belt. Show, I think that's show 53 or show 54, which is crazy. Woo-hoo! Crazy. Oh, have mercy. So have mercy. thank you very much for listening. Remember to show our sponsors some love, which is Even Heat, AMK, and Combat Abrasives. Remember to use those promo codes. Remember to get your Knife Talk t-shirts um, at knifetalk.net, and we shall speak to you next week. Thank you. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.